Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today. Just so glad you're with us. If you happen to be a first-time listener of Talking Money, you'll realize pretty quickly this is not a sales show. We're here to educate you on financial planning topics. If you happen to miss one, you can always go back to the archives. So go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and you can click on the listen now and that'll take you to the archives and you can go back right now six months we're working on getting to go back further than that and get some approvals for that uh, but right now you can go back at least six months you can search by topic so that there is a particular topic that you would like to learn about like we're going to be talking about estate planning today so if you want to learn more about the estate planning or listens to the other programs where we've talked about that subject you can just click on that and and you'll it'll sh um, all the ones on estate planning will show up and you can listen to your heart's content each each full program is normally about 47 minutes uh, as a podcast you can listen to that fast forward and stop and rewind and do all the kind of stuff that you can do with the podcast and so um we'd love to have you do that so not taking calls today we're re actually just recording because uh, my special guest bob ward is uh, visiting us from uh, actually uh, british columbia vancouver british columbia and uh, it's a little hard for him to come uh, here and do a live program. So we're, we're just recording. We're, we're both, he's in town. We both had our high school, 50th high school reunion yesterday, last night. And so that uh, always makes you feel old. But, uh, but anyway, <laughs> but it's, it's just one of those, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that happens. So, uh, but we had, had a good time last night. And so uh, welcome to the microphone, Bob, all the way from uh, British Columbia. Welcome Mike, back to Greenville. Mike, it's a pleasure to be on Talking Money and particularly to see you again. Yeah, it's been a long, long, long time. I don't think we've seen each other since we, have we have went, our, went our separate ways since high school, which happens to a lot of people. Uh, but Bob's an accomplished estate planning attorney and has two offices, one in Bethesda, Maryland, and one in uh, British Columbia, Vancouver. And um, his practice area is particularly, uh, which I like because we work with people like this all the time in tax law, business planning, um, is the the M&A we call it. Uh, their international taxation and international tax planning is something different. So I've never had anybody on the air with the international planning experience. So and it probably won't apply to a lot of people listening. But if if um, if that comes up, that that'd be certainly interesting to talk about. But with his LLM, his Masters of Law in Taxation. And I think some of the awards that uh, that he's gotten as part of the Martindale, and some of the attorneys listening will understand this, Bob. So the Martindale Hubble AV rated. Uh, so that has to do with technical competence and with um, your your core values and your ethics and things. Then ACTEC member, which also the average person has no idea what that is, but the attorneys listening will understand. That's also a pretty good um, credential to be carrying around, right? It's uh, an honor to be part of both those organizations. Yeah, that's great. So 
I asked Bob to, if we could talk more specifically about some things that maybe a higher net worth individual and family would be. But we also want to give some basic introductions of the tax law, the, the gift and the state tax system. Of course, we're not going to we're not going to go into into the weeds too much here because uh, we don't want to, to lose everybody and their eyes glaze over. Uh, people normally want you just to tell them how to tell time, not to how to make the watch. So um, so give us a, at least a brief overview of how all that's put together, the U.S. gift and the state tax system. Okay. The United States tax system catches you both going and coming. If you make any money in a year, you pay an income tax. Right. If you give money or assets away while you're alive, you pay a gift tax. Yeah, potentially, yeah. And if you keep assets until your death, you pay an estate tax. Yeah. Now, Mike observed potentially, and that's that's the key word when it comes to gift and estate taxes, because every person who is a U.S. citizen or U.S. resident has a $12,060,000 gift and estate tax exemption right. in 2022. So that means that you can give away, for example, $5 million while you're alive. Your exemption is reduced by $5 million, and that leaves another $6 million Excuse me, seven million. million. For a tax lawyer, I have very poor math skills. (laughs) I'll try to keep you straight on the math thing. Thank you. Although, although when we're playing golf, the guys don't necessarily let me keep score because I don't, I don't necessarily keep score on uh, on 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 ones and twos or fives and sixes. Uh, I I do better with the bigger numbers, and my computer does that for me. So, I've heard the IRS has a greater sense of accuracy, but that's probably just a rumor. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) So, uh, the point here is. The gift and estate tax exemption is actually one exemption that you can use during your lifetime. And to the extent that you don't use it during your lifetime or only use up some of it, the balance is available to use to transfer assets tax-free at death. Now, there is an amount that you can give. We can cover that real quickly, just that you can give annually to, to anybody you want to to reduce your estate tax. And that just went up. That's right. There's a $16,000 annual exclusion. This is a de minimis amount that is a freebie. You can give $16,000 a year to any person, including Mike and me. Sure. Most people choose to do that to members of their family, but that's just them. So that does not reduce your exemption. And it is a per-recipient exemption. In contrast, the gift and estate tax exemption is a per-transferor exemption. doesn't matter how many people you spread that among, all you get as the transferor is the current amount or the amount as it's indexed for inflation. One other very important thing to know about the gift and estate tax exemption, Mm -hmm. however, is that in 2025 it will be cut in half. This is a temporary increase. So one of the planning opportunities is to use that exemption before it is cut in half. Yeah, and and I guess as we get closer to that, we'll have a better idea whether or not it'll depend on who's in the uh, the Congress and White House at that time to see whether or not they're going to revert it or whether they'll continue. But I think a lot of uh, attorneys like yourself are thinking that, that they're probably going to just let it let it slide and revert back to 
to the six and a half million or something instead of per person instead of um, trying to keep it intact. Is Nobody likes to be responsible for a tax increase. Right. As the law stands, you can do nothing and the exemption will be reduced. Right. Yeah. Does that begin in, in 2025 or it goes till 2025 and it, and it changes in 2026? I can't I'm remember. sorry. I misspoke. It is through 2025. Yeah. Okay. It sunsets January 1, 2026. Okay. That's what I was thinking of. I thought I'd better make Thank sure you. we get the, get the dates right. Um, so... Um, what kind of planning uh, are you anticipating with your clients uh, between now and then to help do some of this? Well, we find that our clients are very anxious to reduce their gift and estate taxes or the gift and estate taxes their family will pay, but they're not so enthusiastic about losing control or the financial benefit of their assets. Yeah. It's like that old, old saying, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Yeah, to get there, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we use different techniques that allow the transferor to continue to control the assets that have been given away. And some of those techniques also allow the transferor to retain certain financial benefits from transferred assets. Yeah. All right. That sounds like a good place to stop. We want to continue that conversation after the break. And uh, we'll be back with more and and talking about this fantastic things on, on trust and estate planning. It's one of those things that really nobody likes to talk about. We all need to talk about. And generally, it's a very popular subject for our listeners. So if you've got a question, don't call in for the question, but we'd love to have you send that question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com or go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on Ask Mike a Question and we'll be sure to get, if I don't know the answer, then I'll ship it off to Bob and he can shoot me an email back with the answer on uh, whatever question it is that you have. We'll be back with the second segment of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, private wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of a million dollars or higher. Private wealth advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with a big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 16 offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust offices and the advisors serving there, please visit ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. <music> And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today. My special guest, Bob Ward, uh, coming to us all the way from Vancouver, British Columbia. So I think uh, a long way to come to, to visit on Talking Money, but we're glad you're with us. A special uh, special session today. Uh, Bob is an estate uh, planning attorney and, uh, and done a lot of tax work. Um, for a lot of different people, but especially for some high net worth people and then some international type of transactions and, and advice for people uh, being from Canada and helping U.S. citizens that are in Canada, uh, I understand. So um, anyway, Bob, so we were talking about um, ways to um, 
take advantage of the current tax exemptions, which are going to expire at the end of 2025. Um, but let's before we get too far into those kinds of trust, uh, give us some at least some basic uh, ideas, education on the different types of trust that are available for people. All right, so let's start with what a trust is. And a trust is simply an arrangement for the management and ownership of financial assets. That arrangement involves three players. The first is the settlor, sometimes referred to as the grantor or trustor. It means the same thing. The settlor is the person who creates the trust and transfers assets to it. The next person is the trustee. The trustee has legal title to the assets and is in charge of managing those assets. The third person is the person we should all be, and that is the beneficiary. That's right. The beneficiary is the person for whose benefit the trust is created. It's as if I were to say to Mike, Mike, I am giving you these things that I own, but instead of using them for your benefit, I want you to use them for the benefit of this other person, the beneficiary. Right. All right. That arrangement is used for many reasons. Some of them are financial and asset management oriented. Other reasons are tax oriented. So from a financial standpoint, a trust is a very desirable arrangement because you can structure how these assets are used by giving directions to the trustee as the settlor, I, as a settlor, instruct the trustee to use these assets for the beneficiary to do certain things. Now, one of the things that I have not told you is sometimes the settlor the trustee and the beneficiary are different people, but sometimes they're the same yeah, person. Yeah, they can't be the same person, right. So in many trust structures, if the trust agreement is drafted carefully, the settlor can also be the trustee, and sometimes the settlor can be the beneficiary. And here's where we get into tax planning, and that is that generally it is very easy to retain control over the assets that have been transferred by the settlor acting as the trustee of the trust. The opportunity to continue to benefit from those assets is much more limited because in most circumstances, if the settlor retains the financial benefit of the assets, those assets will be brought back into the settlor's gross estate and subject to estate tax at death. Even though those assets may have been subject to a gift tax when transferred to the trust, yeah. the settlor's retention of financial benefit until death will cause those assets to be included in the gross estate of the settlor and so subject if, to estate so, tax. So the person who, the, the trustor, the settlor who has that money, but if they keep some kind of control over it, it's like, oh, what's the reason for the trust? Obviously, if you still have control over it, the trust is not is not uh, sheltering anybody. You still have access to it as if you're the owner. So the IRS says, ah, we think it's still your money. Well, again, control is relatively easy to maintain by a properly drafted trust agreement. A trust agreement is just a contract between right. the settlor and the trustee. But re retaining financial benefit is usually hazardous. So what typically has to happen is that the period during which 
the settlor will benefit from the assets in the trust has to end before the settlor's death. Okay. All right. So in terms of different types of trust arrangements, there are trusts that are specifically designed for ownership of a seasonal or primary residence. We call these qualified personal residence trusts because Hubert. they're the and the acronym is Cupert. And we like these fun these fun and acronyms in the in the business that nobody else understands. But yeah, well, it's quicker than saying <laughs> right. qualified personal residence trust multiple times in 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 a short period of time. That's good, Cupert. And the Cupert is an example of a trust where assets like a personal residence or a vacation home are transferred to a trust, and the settlor will retain the the opportunity to continue to use that residence just as he or she has in the past. And that period of retained use, if it ends before the settlor's death, will not result in inclusion of the trust assets in the settlor's gross estate. And the settlor has gotten a discount in the value of that residence for gift tax purposes. So, for individuals whose net worth is below the gift and estate tax exemption, planning is simpler in that the exemption is adequate to cover the value of the assets they wish to transfer. Sure. But for many high net worth clients, their assets that they wish to give away to reduce the estate tax are greatly in excess of the exemption amount. Right. And for those clients, we can use these uh, these trust arrangements that create a discount for gift tax purposes, even though we're still transferring the full value of the asset. So are you advising clients now that uh, may uh, be subject to the uh, estate tax, uh, the, the exemption may not be enough. So once it goes in 2025 and let's say it reverts back to six and a half million each and we have we keep the portability so we're at 13 million that people who who may be okay now because they can do almost 25 million versus uh in a few years when it's it may revert back to 13 million are you advising those kind of people because that that gap now they're 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 going to be subject to it then because they're in excess of the 13 million but they're under the 24 plus Yes. So for clients that are in that, as an individual, six to $12 million range, or for a couple, because every person has a gift and estate tax exemption. Right. So for a husband and wife transferring assets to their children, it's actually more of a 12 to 24 million right. or 13 to $26 million range. Mm-hmm to use that exemption before it expires because we know what the law is today. Right. We know what the exemption is and what it will become if Congress does nothing. But there's also a concern that maybe Congress will reduce the exemption. So acting sooner is better than waiting because we know what the exemption is today. There's another very important reason to act sooner, and that is that the asset value today is likely to be less than it is Should when you die. Yeah, typically. And yeah. under Mike's able management, That's that right. often happens. <laughs> we like to think so, yeah. 
Although with their personal residence, who knows? Lately, the the housing market, at least around here, has been going nuts. So uh, it's it's likely that even the house is going to be worth a lot more. So the cupert may be a real big advantage in, in that case. But yeah, you, we you, you'd like to think the asset's going to be higher when you die. Tax planning favors those who act early. Hmm. Okay, so giving assets away today is often better than waiting because those assets will appreciate in value and use up more of your exemption. You know, at the end of last year, there was some serious consideration of dropping all these um, exemptions and so forth. So uh, many people acted before the end of the year to try to go ahead and gift assets away. And some of them did it a little too early because then when it was obvious that it wasn't going to change last year, uh, they didn't have to do make those changes. And Alan Cox, our our uh, estate and gift tax guy, uh, CPA down in uh, the Atlanta office, he's been on this show many times. Um, was is cautioning people about well, be careful. Now you don't want to just do something and give up control. Maybe of some of those assets uh, when you didn't really didn't really need to. Uh, and then of course it didn't it didn't go change. So this the law the way it is now is already in place. It's not like last year's law where we didn't know if they were going to try to change it or not. This one's already in place. They have to actually be active to change it for it not to revert back in 2026. That's correct. So it automatically sunsets from this temporary increase that we're enjoying presently again on January 1, 2026. Yeah. So, so doing some of these ideas that we've already mentioned and that we'll talk about more after the, after the break for the second half of the of the program, we want to talk more about the different types of trust, the bypass trust. And you've talked a little bit about the marital trust, but there's some there's very unique um, features of both those trusts that people need to be aware of. That that they're not, they may or their heirs may have a unpleasant surprise when it uh, comes down. To, oh, I didn't realize I didn't get a step up in basis in that property. I thought this trust made sure I did. And, and when they, they really didn't. So we want to talk about that. And, um, and the generation skipping trust is kind of an interesting um, technique and, and instrument that people can use that are typically what, what, um, at what wealth typically net worth somebody have to be before they would. And of course they have to like their grand, almost all of them like the grandkids. What, what level would that be before they should even consider something like that? We just, we just have a few seconds left. Here's the bottom line on generation skipping trust. And that is, if you want to protect assets from your grandchild's divorce or creditors, you should use a trust. Okay, very good. Good advice going into the break. All right, so we'll be back with the second half of Talking Money. My special guest, Bob Ward, all the way from Vancouver, British Columbia. We'll be uh, continuing that conversation, talking about trust, wills, and some things you can do in uh, in just a few minutes. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, private wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of a million dollars or higher. Private wealth advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with a big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 16 offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust offices and the advisors serving there, please visit ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. 
Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. We're so glad you're with us. My special guest, Bob Ward, estate planning attorney, tax planning attorney, that uh, we've been talking about trusts and different things that uh, can help you reduce the tax burden for your children, grandchildren, and grandchildren, probably more importantly, Bob. I think uh, people usually, even though they don't really, a lot of their grandkids are still not grown and they don't know what their grandkids are going to be like. It's still something more special about the grandchild than there is the child. And I can, I can vouch for that from personal experience. It's just the way it is. Um, so we were uh, right before the break talking about the generation skipping trust. So um, why would somebody use that about what level of assets uh, would they have before they consider that? And what are the advantages of it? All right. So one of the fundamental things to understand about the U S estate tax system is that every time wealth moves from one generation to the next, there is a potential estate tax. So the very same assets can get taxed over and over again. A generation skipping trust is a way to permanently remove assets from the U.S. estate tax system. Assets go into a trust and the term generation skipping is an accurate description of the tax effect we're skipping that recurring estate taxes as it's moved from one generation to the next, but it's in very inaccurate terms of the financial benefit of the trust. Okay. So your typical generation skipping trust is established at someone's death for the benefit of their children. And the assets in that trust at the death of the children go on to benefit the grandchildren and the assets in that trust at the death of the grandchildren go on to benefit the great grandchildren until finally you come to a generation that spends it all. Okay. But in between... That's the generation I want to be in. No, not really. My, my whole life, my, my parents were very frugal, and so it had been ingrained to me, you, know, you just don't spend the money, so I'm, I'm likely going to be the one that passes it on. And, and I see those bumper stickers, I'm spending my grandchildren's right. inheritance, right. and when I see that, I say, good luck, because in my experience, most people in retirement conform their spending to the income that their assets produce and often are very reluctant to invade principal because they're afraid they're going to need it. Right, sure. So with a generation skipping trust, I have found in presenting this idea to my clients that while the estate tax effect is extremely beneficial, particularly for the high net worth client and their family, what really matters is not how much tax my children will pay when they die on their inheritance from me, but rather what will happen to that inheritance when my child gets divorced for the third time or runs over the wrong person and gets sued. Mm -hmm. So while there's definitely a threshold, let's say more than whatever the exemption amount is, whether it's the current $12,060,000 exemption or what that exemption may be when it's cut in half in 2026, that may be the financial threshold when the tax benefit of a generation skipping trust becomes apparent. In actuality, no matter how large or small your estate is, mm -hmm. if you want to assure that the assets your children inherit from you are going to be there when they need it, 
you should use a trust to deliver those assets. And, uh, and the tax design of that trust may be one thing, but the asset protection design, protecting those assets if a child gets divorced, if a child gets sued, if a child has creditor issues, is really what I find motivates most of my clients mm -hmm. to use generation skipping trusts. So just uh, go through the logistics of how the generation skipping trust would work. So do the children have access to the income from that trust until they die, and then it passes on to the grandkids? What kind of flexibility is there in that? It's all in the way the trust is designed. So one of the benefits of being a set law is you get to make the rules. If you want to limit your children to the income the assets produce, you can do that. If you want to have more expansive access, you can do that as well. So there are two basic designs to trust created for family members, whether we're talking about a generation skipping trust or some other trust. And those two designs are turn on who will be the trustee. So let's think about this from the perspective of most people when they come into my office. Okay, Most people are thinking... If they're married, when I die, I want everything to go to my spouse. And when my spouse dies, I want everything to go to our children. Right. And the problem with that design is unless you use a trust at each of those steps, there's a real risk that between your death and your spouse's death, something will happen to those assets. So I know this will never happen in the case of the person that you've married. But I have occasionally seen that surviving spouses remarry. No kidding. Yeah. And they one of the things that you should understand is under the law of almost every U.S. jurisdiction, if you are married at the time of your death, your spouse has a right by statute to one third of everything you own. So think this through with me. I die. I leave everything to my wife and she remarries. Even though her will says everything goes to our children, her new husband can elect against that will and take one third of those assets. It's actually a half in South Carolina. So, well, yeah. what a what a progressive state South Carolina is. <laughs> it used to be is. a third. It's up to a half now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And the rest of it's so, the kids. So South Carolina takes care of spouses in a big way. That's right. And if you don't want the person, your spouse, remarries to be able to reach the assets you gave to your spouse at your death. Mm -hmm. You need to deliver those assets in a trust where at your spouse's death, you know that that inheritance will go on to your children. All right. The trust can be designed so that your spouse can get anything she wants or he wants as long as the spouse is not the trustee and the person who is the trustee liked your spouse. Okay. Alternatively, if your wife is like my wife, she's not really enthused about asking someone for what she views as being her right. money. That's right. Exactly. So if my wife is going to be the trustee, and this is true whenever a beneficiary acts as the trustee, 
the beneficiary's ability, the trustee's ability to distribute assets from the trust has to be based upon what's referred to as an ascertainable standard. Whatever is needed for living expenses, medical expenses, or educational expenses. So I can create a trust for the benefit of my spouse. I can create a trust for the benefit of my children. I can create a trust for the benefit of my grandchildren. And my wife, my child, my grandchild can be the trustee of that trust. Mm -hmm. And there will be no estate tax inclusion of those assets in their estates if their ability to reach those assets is based upon what they need for living expenses, medical expenses, or educational expenses. They can exhaust the entire trust if there's a need, and if there's not, the assets stay in the trust and they're protected from claims of third parties. Yeah. So I know when when I've talked to my own estate attorney, Randy Fisher here in town, does my personal stuff, um, He and I've been in client meetings with him, that he's very clear to mention that that the like the likelihood if the wife dies that the husband's going to remarry and that his new wife is going to want to make sure that she is taken care of and her own family is taken care of as opposed to worrying about the new husband's family whereas if the husband dies and the wife remarries she's going to be wanting to watch out for her own children more so than than the the husband will be if he remarries to another wife and so that that puts a little different perspective on what kind of trust you may want to set up and and you, know, you set it up with the contingencies in mind even though you think you know that's never going to happen to me the i'll never have a, a gold digger that's going to come after me but you know it happens it happens more than we'd like to, to to realize there's also just sort of what i find is not unusual and that men tend to marry women who are younger than they are and have a greater likelihood of surviving them. So that new wife, in the case of your husband, after you die, may actually outlive him and exercise that statutory right in South Carolina to take a half Mm -hmm. of all those assets you left to your husband when you died. Unless they sign a prenup or they sign the waiver of that right to the elective share, which we talk about as well. All right, so my special guest, Bob Ward, we're talking about estate planning, trust issues. We've got one last segment, about another 10, 12 minutes. We'll we'll wrap up some of this conversation, but glad you're with us today. We'll be back with the last segment of Talking Money in just a couple of minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum. One division is Everyday Steward, which serves clients who are just getting started to those with an investable net worth ranging from $100,000 up to a million. For those desiring objective, biblical principles in their investments, cash flow management, financial planning, which includes retirement, insurance, tax, and estate, and their giving, Ronald Blue Trust's Everyday Steward advisors can serve as their clients' stewardship coaches so they can focus on a living a life of purpose. For more information about Everyday Stewart and the other divisions of Ronald Blue Trust, they can be found at ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. So glad you're with us. My special guest today, Bob Ward, estate planning attorney, actually got his uh, master's in tax uh, in law from uh, the Boston University of Law School and the graduate tax program. So he's done a lot of work in tax 
planning and helping clients with their uh, planning for uh, trying to reduce the taxes. That's what we want to do as, as well as just making sure and estate planning can be so much more than just uh, saving taxes. And I think it's important to make sure that tax tail doesn't wag the dog as we often hear and that you want to make sure your assets are going where you want them to go. And that sometimes can include making some charitable gifts. And uh, there's some ways to, to, to start seeing how your money might work now. And uh, there's also ways to say, okay, I want to give the money and, and make sure I know where it's going, but then also maybe get some income from that, uh, from that money now to help me in retirement or so forth. And myself, and my spouse survivor, it's going to be income for both of us. So there's some some several unique ways to do that with some trust documents. Let's talk about that with some of the time we have left there, Bob. All right. So let's uh, sort of put this in this context of, of some of the things we've already talked about. And one of the points I made earlier is that in wealth transfer planning for estate tax purposes, that it's easy to retain control of assets. And sometimes that's the transferor's control. Other times it may be a beneficiary's control. So that governs who is going to act as the trustee and what limitations need to be imposed on the trustee's discretion so as not to uh, contradict or, or, or uh, reduce the estate tax saving opportunity. And in terms of wealth transfer planning, I said where the set lore is transferring assets, the settlor's financial benefit has to end before the settlor's death right. to prevent those assets from coming back into the settlor's estate. So there are certain types of trust arrangements. We talked about the Cupert Trust for personal residences, whether they're primary or seasonal. There are also similar arrangements for income-producing assets like real estate or investment portfolio. And again, the commonality where those transfers are being made to reduce estate taxes at death is the settlor's financial benefit has to be very restricted and has to end before the settlor's death. There's one exception to that, and that is in the charitable arena. So imagine a trust to which you can transfer assets and keep a stream of income from those assets for the rest of your life, like an it. annuity paid for your life. And at the end of your death, those assets will be included in your gross estate, but because they're going to a charitable organization that you've selected, the estate gets an offsetting charitable estate tax deduction. So the problem of estate inclusion is solved by your willingness to benefit an organization that's important to you at your death. Now, why? Now, you could do that under your will at any time. Why would you set up a trust before death where you're committing assets to that trust that will ultimately be delivered to a charitable organization at your death? The reason is to avoid capital gain taxes. Yeah, because some people are still concerned, like you mentioned earlier, Bob, about I don't want to um, be giving money away to kids, whatever. they they So they, they live on the income from the assets because they think they may need the principal. And so this this um, essentially they have to get over that. They have to have, have enough assets that they can put money in a trust like that 
then they can just they know they just need the income, but they have other assets they know they can get to if there's another need that comes about. The bottom line on gift and estate tax planning is you should never give away something you think you will need. But if you understand the planning opportunities, you may find that you don't need quite as right. much as you thought. Mm-hmm. So consider this. I have an investment property that I bought many years ago. It's now worth $10 million, but I paid a million dollars for it when I purchased it. All right, if I sell that investment property, I will have a $900,000 gain, and I will give up in a combination of federal and state taxes about a third of my $900,000 in a combination of state and federal taxes. Well, if I transfer that asset to the right type of trust called a charitable remainder trust, that trust is a tax-exempt entity. It can sell that investment property and no capital gains tax is paid, either right. at the state or federal level. That means that I have the entire million dollars that can be invested by the trustee to produce an annuity that is paid to me. That annuity can be a fixed amount, like $50,000 every year or $500,000 every year that I'm going to receive for as long as I live. Or it can be what's referred to as a unitrust amount, where I will get up to 5% of the principal every year for as long as I live. So as the principal goes up under Mike's ABLE investment, then my annuity goes up accordingly. I get 5% of whatever the principal amount is each year. So I set up the trust. I was able to avoid capital gains taxes on the asset that the trust sells. Those funds are reinvested to produce a stream of income for me for life. And at the end of my life, or at the end of my and my spouse's lives, the assets that are left in the trust go to an organization of our selection. And yes, I can change my mind about which organization that is over the course of the trust. And not only have I avoided estate taxes on the assets that are left in that trust, not only did I avoid capital gain assets, capital gain tax right. on the assets that were contributed to the trust and sold by the trustee, but I also get a small income tax deduction at the time the trust is established. Now, that income tax deduction puts money in my pocket. What? Today. Today. This, this year. Today. Yeah, this right. year. Even though the charity doesn't get anything until I die, I still get that income tax deduction today. It's not going to be 100% of what I put no. into the trust. Basically, but it based will on the be, present value of whatever that, based on your life expectancy and all that kind of stuff. That's right. The older I am, and I get older every year, then the bigger the income tax deduction will be because the charity doesn't have to wait so long. And there are actuarial tables that the IRS gives us to calculate what that income tax deduction is. So I can spend that, or what I could do is I could buy a life insurance policy. And if I put that life insurance policy into a trust that's properly designed, 
then the death benefit on that policy will be exempt from estate tax. So the federal estate tax rate is 40%. Many states also have a state estate tax rate, a state tax that may be as much as 16%. So figure that the combination of federal and state estate taxes will be about 50%. If I kept that $10 million or what was left after paying the capital gains tax until my death, it would be subject to an estate tax that would take about half those assets away. In contrast, if I put that asset into a charitable remainder trust, the assets that are left in that trust are not subject to estate tax, but my family has lost the benefit of that asset. If I take my income tax deduction and the dollars that that deduction saves me for creating the charitable remainder trust and buy a life insurance contract, if that contract replaces 50% of the value of the assets I put into the charitable remainder trust, my family's come out even. If it replaces more than that, then my family actually came out ahead because I used the charitable remainder trust. So what you should know is the United States government encourages you to support organizations that are important to you by creating unique tax planning opportunities that can actually save you money in terms of avoiding estate taxes, avoiding gift taxes, and getting an income tax benefit, while at the same time not necessarily depriving your family of those assets. And here's what makes this topical. That type of planning works best in a high interest rate environment. That is the golden lining on inflation and interest rates increasing. So as they go up, that makes it even more valuable. So as a reminder, then, of course, the life insurance policy, because it was set up in the right right kind of irrevocable life insurance trust, the old islet we talk about, the, the death benefit would come tax free to the errors that you're replacing what you would have been what you could have given them if you hadn't put this money in the trust and that ultimately ultimately goes to the um, the charitable organization that you want to support. So a lot of different techniques, a lot of different ways you can do this that people don't think about. And of course, we can help work through that at, at our firm and Bob helps, helps his clients work through all those kind of things. Uh, the National Christian Foundation does a great job as well, helping clients work through that. They've got some great tax attorneys for the the more complicated estates, those especially that include business owners, which um, can complicate things uh, even more. So we are we are less than a minute, uh, Bob. So I just want to, before we run out of time, make sure I thank you again for um, for being willing to join me here in in the studio as um, as we talk about this very important topic. But thank you for coming. Mike, it's a pleasure to be on Talking Money. It's a pleasure to be working with you, and I hope that we get to do this again. Yeah, that'd be great. So we'll look forward to the next time. So if you've got more questions for me, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com, or you can go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on the Ask Mike a Question, and there you can as well ask me whatever question you want, and we can make sure you get that answered at a future Talking Money program. Thanks for listening today. We'll be back next week for the next Talking Money. Talking Money. 